Welcome back to Questions You Never Thought to Ask, the Whitewater Kayak Podcast, episode 35. My name is Seth Ashworth, and this week I'm doing a very exciting discussion with Ben Ma about a recent solo expedition of his. Before we get started on that, I just want to say a big shout out. Thank you to all the people who support this podcast via Patreon. Patreon is a crowdfunding platform where you can chip in a couple of dollars every month and help keep the lights on and keep this thing running. You also get to hear the podcast uh, before it comes out on general release, so a little bit of a kickback there for you. If you're able to or you feel like supporting the podcast that way, you can find that at patreon.com slash Seth Ashworth. And yeah, without further ado, let's get right into it. Welcome back to Questions You Never Thought to Ask, the Whitewater Kayaking Podcast. Uh, my name's Seth Ashworth, and this week I'm joined by man, myth, legend, Ben Ma, and we are going to talk about some exciting stuff. Ben Ma, welcome to the show again. Thank you, Seth. Ben, I had some, before we get started on this topic that I want to talk about today, um, I want to say I had a lot of people reach out to me the last time we did the podcast and say they really enjoyed it. And I listened back to it, which um, I don't normally do because I don't like to hear your voice too often, but I listened back to it and I was uh, shocked at how poor the audio quality was. So and people still said they enjoyed it. So hopefully this one, we can do a little bit better production values wise and uh, people get some, some cool takeaways maybe. Well, yeah, here we go then. I've got my, I've got a USB mic. You've got a USB mic. Should, should be good to go. All right. So Ben, this week we're talking about, uh, it's kind of a, tri- a trip report style podcast, I guess you could call it. Um, almost in secret, it sounds like you did some kind of like 24 hour, 500 kilometer expedition mission solo uh, somewhere in British Columbia. Um, I haven't really seen you post about it much on, on the gram or on Facebook. Uh, you were kind of like quietly, quietly training into this endurance thing. Why don't you start at the end and work backwards? Like what, what have you just done? I paddled a, a section of white water and flat water that was about 485 kilometers long. And it took me 29 hours. Oh my God. And I did that because it started as like the next thing I wanted to do in, um, in my like tiptoeing into the endurance realm of whitewater kayaking was to do a 24 hour effort, which, um, I was even considering just going and paddling around in the, in the ocean because I'm, I'm out in BC and the coast is close by and there's about, um, the most endless amount of kilometers you could ever hope for right there. And but, what, what section of uh, river were you paddling here and whereabouts was it? So it's a, I paddled from Chilco Lake into the Fraser River and, and south towards, towards Vancouver, basically, to be kind of more broad. But Chilco, Chilcotin is a somewhat popular rafting run and late season expedition that people do up here. So it's kind of like grade two to four whatever you can call some of it five. And then it, it's a smaller, smaller, the Chilco is pretty small at a Chilco Lake, but super beautiful, super dope. And that becomes the Chilcotin, which actually has some really sick white water on it. And that confluences with the Fraser. And, <clears throat> and then you've just got quite a bit of probably like 300 plus kilometers before you would get to Vancouver. 
and you you paddle this 29 or 30 hours or whatever without without stopping without sleeping just just like endless trudging yes wow. i i did it was really cool um the yeah the goal was to do something for 24 plus hours so when i my friend nate klima team beer he told me to he's like oh put your eyes on this so i started looking at at water levels and whatever to to take a guess at how far i could go in 24 hours and that was getting close enough in distance in my estimate to a town called hope that i made hope my goal and then the goal changed from a 24-hour paddle to a sustained effort from the put into hope well, uh, you know, I think in these trying times, I think a lot of people are just trying to get towards hope, but uh, that's, you took that to another level of uh, literally going towards hope. Yep. And so my, I just did some rough, rough calculations here um, in my phone while we were talking, but it sounds like you were moving at 14 kilometers an hour for 30 hours. Is that, that, is that about accurate? Is that what your Strava tracked? Um, no, I, I averaged top to bottom 16 Wow. And my goal was to average 17, which that was like a, another estimate based on, I've never been on either of those rivers. So. And how, uh, how, like, how fast is the water moving? Like how much flat water are you talking about? Like, is it moving flat water? Are you crossing lakes? Like what's the, paint us a picture there. Like I'm, I'm envisioning like, uh, you know, like central BC, like forests, mountains, you know, what was it like? What, what did it look like at the start? Like, what are you going through? Um, yeah. Shoko Lake is, is iconic BC beautiful. I've been up there once before uh, with Stukesbury and Corbulic. That's where we started our Southgate trip. We paddled across the lake to start our hike into the coast mountains. And if you look at Shoko Lake, I was at the northeastern tip of it. That's where the Chilco river starts. So yeah, that's the only flat bit. Um, paddled, uh, it's kind of moving, paddled a little bit, ran a swift, you get into this like two kilometer lake. And then as soon as it starts moving, it does not let up. So I was probably averaging 10 kilometers an hour if I wasn't paddling on the Chilco and Chilcotin. And once I hit the Fraser, which happened around two or three in the morning. Uh, like the cool part, well, one of the cool parts was the whitewater I was dealing with on the Fraser is actually quite substantial. So while there was only a few rapids, it was mocking. Like I could, if I stopped paddling, I'd be moving about 14 kilometers an hour. Um, that's just the river speed. So it was, it was a really good place to try to make a huge amount of kilometers. And, and were you making the most significant whitewater like in the nighttime or had you planned it so you're going to hit the biggest part in the daytime? I planned it to, to make sure that once it was there, there was a landslide in 2019 worth a Google. If you Google 2019 Fraser river landslide. So this, this landslide created a new rapid and it's not a place I could drive to to scout on my way up. So I scouted it via photos and pretty much decided 
ahead of time that I'd, I'd probably just have to portage it. So I, I really wanted to be there in the daylight. So I didn't know this is pretty new for me and I didn't have any freaking clue how long it would take. So <clears throat> I started instead of what made sense to me would be to start at like three in the morning or four in the morning and any, any changes from that to get earlier and earlier. But the biggest rapid was at the end. So I, oh, I, wow. I, just, I was trying to like, I don't know. I decided to start at 1 p.m. And I ended up starting just after 2 p.m. Um, and that meant I just ran a lot of the cool whitewater and canyons on the Chilcotin at night. And, and it meant that I got into the Fraser at night, which was pretty uh, weird. Like you're going from... I started about 100, 100 to 110 QMEX on the Chilco. Um, as you work through the Chilcotin, you finish with just over 230 QMEX on that river. And that's a narrow river. And then all of a sudden, dude, you dump into the Fraser, which had 5,000 QMEX in it at that point. Wow. So, so, so you're going a pretty significant uh, variety of paddling through your 30 hour expedition mission here. Yeah, and as far as scenery goes, it's just Chilco, Chilcotin's beautiful BC, some canyons. A bunch of it was at night, so I know I, I piled through some really beautiful shit. Then you get into the Fraser; it's more uh, arid. It's kind of like it's a pretty cool valley, but you're you're looking at once you it's really wide and big, and you're looking at some really beautiful stuff once you once you're remote. Um, but yeah, once I got past the bridge river rapids which were substantial as fuck and then got down past uh, the confluence with the thompson so the thompson brings in quite a bit of water then my full flow was 7200 qmex so that's right around a uh, quarter million cfs just to sound extra impressive there for the uh, and, americans listening who are about us yeah. and uh and there's one, there's two rapids after that. So, and, and man, that's actually the second highest volume I've ever, ever paddled in. So it, it, it's really rare to, to be on a river with that much water in it, in my experience. Um, yeah. That's rare. like double the Ottawa at spring flood. Yeah. Like that's, yeah. Well, yeah. If, if anyone, like if you're down in Ottawa city, like, like the highest I've ever seen that, um, in one channel is about 5,000 QMEX. Mm. So when they shut down bridges in Ottawa, we're adding like 2,000 QMEX on top of that, which is higher than you've ever seen the Mississippi, which is um, like Gladiator comes in when the river's at like 2,700 QMEX. You know what I mean? And yeah, it's, I'm, I'm thinking about the gauges in my head right now. I'm like, that is just incredible. That's so much white water. Yeah, it's, it's a... It was really cool to be in that much volume. And what, like, okay, let's do some like nitty gritty details here. Like, how did you prepare, like, food wise? Like, what did you eat? Like, how did you eat? How did how did you eat and maintain sixteen kilometers an hour? The that was, uh, as you know, I'm a big fan of food, and Me too. endlessly curious about how to how eating can can change things in your body, but. I, I have this book and I was, I was just looking into the endurance section of the book 
and there's a lot of recommendations that I didn't fall, follow precisely. Like I didn't eat the amount of carbohydrate um, recommended for my weight exactly. So I basically just started eating a lot two days before and I avoided oils and I, so like the big meal I wanted to eat the night before was going to be like a huge cheesy pesto pasta, but I, I read that to avoid oil. So I did, and actually we ended up driving quite a bit. So ended up just eating like a big ricey burrito, but so yeah, I just pounded, I pounded a lot of carbs a day, day and a half before, two days before I, I drank a lot of water, but as I got closer, I was trying to make sure that I only had to pee every two to two and a half hours and that I wasn't like too, too hydrated. And did you, were you doing like kind of like a pee out of your boat situation? Like, or oh, yeah. were you like, oh, okay, yeah. good. And did you have to stop to poop at all? Or were you managed to just like keep a bucket up the whole time? No, that was, I was worried about that. And it was very interesting and I'll get completely clear and, and graphic about. Yeah, let's that. do it, man. It was, it was, it was neat. I was like, okay, I don't want to take off my dry suit to poo. And I'm, I'm dying to talk to, to someone about this. Uh, properly because I I can't help it. I believe that you can totally make, I feel like your body can intuitively pick up on shit from your brain and, and help you out. So I feel like my body and my brain and then me, so picture like the three of us sitting around, I feel like we had a conversation about it and the body was like, I got you. And the brain was like, yeah, we can do this. So I basically, I took a huge shit the day I put on and then I started, I took like two other poos and I was like, this is awesome. Like, this is like, my body is just like cleaning the duck, like getting everything out. And then I didn't shit for 30 hours. Yeah. Maybe even more. I took like a shit at the bottom and it was like pellets. You know, it's interesting you say that. I do think there is some kind of connection there between your brain and your body. Cause there's definitely been times where I'm like, it would be really inconvenient if I had to poo right now. And then I just suddenly don't have to poo for hours and hours at a time. And like often when I'm working, like the like work at height stuff I'm doing, it's like, oh, I'd be really inconvenient if I have to poo in the next three hours. And then suddenly my, my guts are just like, yeah, no, you're good. I got you. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know? It's awesome. Man. And another funny thing is that I've, I've been asked a couple of times, like, Oh, do you trust your gut? Do you trust? I'm like, yeah, I trust my gut. Cause if I'm scared, I'll have to shit. Like, doesn't mean I go shit, but it's like sometimes on rivers, like say I'm on the, the little white, I can get to a certain point where I know I'm about to do something really scary and I'll be like, Oh my God, I have to poo. And I don't poo, but, and it's, there is like a, uh, it's called the gut brain axis. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I've, I've got a, I've got some reading to do on that, but, um, yeah, my we all we all cooperated on the poo front. I did not have to poo. I brought four. This is funny because I, I remember I've talked I've talked to people about like what they've eaten on trips like this, and I was like, "What? That sounds crazy." But I brought four burritos. I made four um, small, like medium small rice hummus, spinach burritos and i wanted to bring cheese but i think i read somewhere that i shouldn't 
So I think two of them had cheese. It's going to affect your gut brain uh, barrier for sure. Yeah. And, and then I, I brought a heap of picky bars, a heap of honey stinger gels, a heap of honey stinger waffles, a heap of cliff bar blocks with caffeine. I brought a container of cordyceps mushroom um, pills and that's it for water. I made, I bought six one liter bottles of bubbly water and uh, I drank half of each of those on the way Man, you were drinking bubbly water? Like, how are you, how are you moving? Like, how are your guts all not just like a, well, big, fizzy, a big fizzy mess I, in there? I just didn't want to waste it. And I knew that the fizz would die by the time I was <laughs> on the rivers. On the drive up, I just, and I didn't feel great about buying, but I just needed, I needed containers and I, I wanted for my own, you know, I just wanted to like have a measure of what I ate so and drank. So I, I brought six liters and into that six liters, once they're in half, I put in a package of like Vega electrolyte hydrate and a bunch of beet powder. Um, and I filled that up with water. So I had six liters and I only drank five and a half of those. So let, let's talk about caffeine for a second. You just mentioned it. I know you're not a coffee drinker. Um, did you drink some tea before you started or were you just like straight water and beet powder the whole way? Like, uh, like water, pre, beet pre- powder, yeah. The, the cliff the cliff blocks have caffeine in them a little bit i don't mm. know how much and uh and i just kind of that I can was, make you poop too yep and I, I was mostly like i read about like bonking and etc and i i know it it happens but i i kind of just ate and i didn't eat because i was hungry i never felt hungry i ate out of knowing that i was burning a a significant amount of energy and I took comfort. I also, I know how, well, I knew at that time, I can't uh, regurgitate the information, but just in your body, you carry a huge amount of calories of energy that you have access to, but that doesn't mean you're going to feel great about using them. So I I pretty much was just trying to eat steady. Um, I ate about half the food I brought and I ate all of the burritos all right, let's, for nutrition. It was very exciting. Let's, um, this has been very informative. Yeah. Let's take a step back for a second. What made you want to try what seems to me like a crazy objective? Um, but what, what's, like, what was the seed for this flower of a mission? I really, I like kayaking. That is all. <laughs> that is all. Like Benny, I like kayaking too, but I don't. I like. I'm not out here. Like, oh, I'm just gonna see if I can paddle for thirty hours up down four hundred and some, like almost five hundred yeah. kilometers. Like, well, yeah, I like kayaking, but like, dude, yeah. it's um, it's it's a manifestation of the things I'm interested in in other sports coming through, like what I have access to and what my body can do. So, I'm curious about what my body can do. I kayak a lot it's the sport that I'm doing and the sport that I'm good at. And what I read about endurance, I'm really, I I love that. I love reading about and listening to people talk about ultra marathons. I love listening to Goggins talk about ultra marathons. That's like one of my favorite things. That guy is so inspirational. Goggins and uh, Courtney DeWalter, they just, 
it's just an interesting place to put yourself and I feel safe in a kayak. And once you start, like I had way, I could get out if I needed to, I had my in reach device. I, you know, I had a, my friend was helping me with shuttle. Like I could have bailed whenever I wanted um, ish and I could have got out to sleep if I wanted and just picked a different takeout, but I wanted to experience what I've heard people talk about. Um, and then of course, I'm, I'm pretty curious to try and break the 24 hour distance record. So I, I wanted to test out this section to see if I thought it would be worth um, the effort to do it there. Um, and I've, you know, you, you can read about Todd Wells, Brendan Wells, Oniel, Sarasolis, and Tyler Bratz, uh, 24 hour distance record on the middle fork. And you can read about, um, the Klimas breaking the Emerald miles speed descent record on the grand Canyon. And you can, in that same article, you can read about the guy who then broke that the very next day. So it's just interesting stuff to me. And I wanted to, and you look at this section on the map. And the other thing is like, I, I, you get to digest so much terrain and I, I, there's lots of different ways. I really like pounding through scenery and digesting big amounts of distance. Like you can, you can go do 10 days on that section or five or two or three and really enjoy it. But it's like on this Dakin, it used to be most typically a three day trip. I pretty much only ever do it in two or one days now. And it's just fun to, to, take on that much scenery and that much white water at once. And what was really cool about the Fraser, the Chilco, Chilco and Fraser compared to like the Yukon where the 24 hour, like the Guinness 24 hour distance record is on the Yukon and there's no white water. Like that's fast. I think that flows over 14 kilometers per hour and it's fast and I'm, this, the Yukon's beautiful, but I found that the white water is really what kept me, alive through that whole yeah thing. just more engaged more yeah because i could i could be it was cool man i could if towards when i was getting exhausted like i could i could lean back close my eyes and actually fall asleep in under five seconds and as soon as my boat would as soon as i would like relax and lose balance that my eyes would open i'd get up and be like wow that's wild i can't believe i can I have the ability to do that. That's so sick. And how, how long have you had this, this, uh, like this trip in particular or something like this in your mind? Cause it, it occurred to me once I heard you had done this, that you'd been kind of building up and training for a while. Like when you were here in the spring, you were doing like laps and laps and laps of like down the river, up the river, like attaining, um, and like really long days. And I, it didn't really occur to me that you were had a specific goal in mind um during that time how long has this been on your radar as a as a goal and how much preparation did you do um i've been as yeah as i said interested for a long time the way i like to run rivers in general is without stopping so it's it's just been a very slow build up i didn't set i've had like a an idea or a desire to go and do the middle fork in a day ever since those guys, well, before that, like boomer used to, people have talked about that um, often and going and paddling as, as far as you can in 24 hours and having, knowing that the section of whitewater is going to assist you in, in 
making a huge amount of kilometers in that effort is just interesting to me. It always has been. And on the auto, I wasn't training for this because I didn't know I was going to do it. I was more just pushing and seeing what it felt like to paddle a lot of hours and a lot of kilometers. And using numbers just helps like the, the on the Ottawa doing, I did 10 laps, but I knew it would be close to hundred kilometers. So I changed it. I'm going to do hundred kilometers on the Ottawa and just that helps me. Yeah, definitely. It's very interesting. Um, it's a very interesting topic overall, I think. Cause I think a lot of people are, are interested in how far, how far they can push themselves like, you know, and, and not everyone wants to push themselves in terms of like how hard white water can I go? But like, how far can you go is like another metric of, of seeing what you can do and kind of testing yourself. I think, I think a lot of kayakers have that, like testing yourself, in a they are at least a part of that as their inner mindset, right? Like that's, that's why they're out there. They're kind of, whether they realize it or not, they're putting themselves and their kayak up against the river and, how hard or how far there's lots of different, different ways you can track that progress of, of how you're getting on. Yep. Yep. Definitely. Interesting. All right. Well, Benny, this has been f kind of fascinating to be honest. Like I, I didn't realize you'd done this trip until um, Patrick told me about it or told me you'd done this. So you've been keeping it pretty on the DL. Um, what's up with that? Uh, well, yeah, I just haven't, um, there's a couple reasons. One, I didn't really feel like I needed to, it wasn't like I didn't have a burning desire to share about it. Um, I did it for, it felt nice to, to go and do something that was difficult for me and completely new to me. And I felt I was proud of doing it and it was very interesting. I found it very interesting and exciting that I liked it because you could totally not enjoy something like that. And because of the way that river's laid out, like say, say you want to go and do the Grand Canyon in a, in one swoop, you're up against a lake at the bottom and it would be harder mentally for me to do that than what I did, I think. So it was, it was a nice learning experience that way. Like, like the rapid, there's a rapid called Hell's Gate. <clears throat> that I had to run at the bottom and I was, it was like when I'm paddling into that I'm just like ready to go and firing and it's like 27 hours in of like 35 hours of being awake of all these things and I was like this is sick I really love this and uh and it was yeah I didn't really feel the need to to blast anything out about it and the other reason is I've just been I haven't, I've been interacting with social media, but as of like sometime in May, I haven't been posting anything just because of the social media climate on a global scale, which is kind of funny. I've just been evaluating my relationship with social media and trying to understand what, if it's like a pie chart, what part of it is for like my air quotes work what part of it is for like my obligations to sponsors what part of it is me sharing with my friends and family and my community and the biggest chunk is just me sharing with the community of whitewater and but because of 
what was happening. Like at first I was kind of like, oh, all this COVID bullshit is like, people are inter- like reacting to that very differently and uniquely. And, and then there was these huge racism events that I was seeing on, I don't really go to the news and I don't think that social media is the greatest source of news always, but it's, it's like anything it's, you choose to digest, like you're your own curator. So you have control over what you digest and how you take that information into your brain and, and act accordingly. And the way that I was doing that was, I was just like, well, I'm, this isn't the time to post photos of how fucking sick kayaking is. Mm-hmm. And, and because I didn't know how to re-enter my, my, what I did was I just continued to wait and watch how other people did it. And, and it was more, and I wanted to learn about, about that stuff too. So that was, that was part of why. And yeah, it certainly feels like an important time to be self-educating. Yep. So I just continued to do that and read and, and whatever. And, and then in the end, I was like, well, like, actually I don't have any sponsors that require me to post anything. I'm not contract contractually obligated to. I was like, my Instagram is mine completely right now. Like I don't have any like deals with anyone that I'm owe any posts. And I was like, I just don't really need to. And and it it wasn't that hard to not post. So I just fucking left it alone. And uh it is a cool trip and I do want to share about it. And I will. And it's also, it's exciting because there's, you know, I can potentially open up some doors for myself um, with new sponsorships outside of the industry. If I continue to pursue these goals, which, which I, I am, it's, it's pretty fun to look at rivers, sections of rivers a little differently. I've got my eye on a 600 kilometer section right now that I'm looking at. I'm like, well, that's kind of dope. Like I could probably <laughs> do it in one push. I just don't know how long it would take. And then I'm like, well, it doesn't matter if I don't stop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, yeah. Like if you just stop, keep going. Yeah. yeah. And it's just cool. It's like that stuff has value. I think from a, a marketing standpoint, because it's, um, you don't need to be a kayaker to understand staying awake and kayaking for 600 kilometers you don't know you just you literally just have to know what sleep is to know that it's yeah <laughs> it's a terrible idea um benny i think this i i really appreciate you sharing this trip with us uh even though you haven't shared it elsewhere yet um what are just to, to round us off here what uh was your favorite part of the trip what was your least favorite part of the trip what would you do differently next time and what would you um change uh favorite part was a combination of the the preparation and and just like quietly thinking and and trying to make a best guess at what was going to happen and to to prepare for everything that was really cool but on the river at night just like staring up at the stars was neat i I used the dagger green boat and uh, wasn't paddling super well at the beginning which isn't surprising because those boats are are tricky and they're not you know they're it was built to win the green race it wasn't built to run big haystack waves so that was cool and as soon as the lights turned off i paddle i started to paddle more intuitively which was nice like 
my I was my body was reacting to the waves and shit that I couldn't see versus what I could see and and I I got into a better rhythm. It was a beautiful night. It was nice to look up at the stars. Uh the landslide rapid was sick. Um I actually had to get out of my boat at six in the morning and hike. Fuck, I must have gained like 300 meters straight Oof. up in one shot. Oof. And I scouted the rapid and I was like, God damn it, that thing's runnable. So I walked back down and ran it and it was huge and sick. And and running Hell's Gate was it was just cool to be at that have my body be in that sensitive of a of a state and having to like just turn on and run something as if as if you were fresh. I really loved all that. And uh what I would change is I think that there is a I think there's something that triathletes and et cetera use like there's like a lube, a lubricant, lubricant people use for like heart rate monitors. Okay. And yeah, like my heart rate monitor was basically trying to start an open pit mine on my chest. It sucked. <laughs> um, the my the backs of my armpits got really really tender. I don't think there's anything I could do about that, but I could definitely make that more comfortable. I think uh, marathon runners use uh, Vaseline or something on there. Yeah, there's definitely a product that I've heard uh, I've heard about on the the Picky Bars podcast. It's a really funny name that I got to ask them about. I can't remember what it is, but um, and I don't know. I don't think I would do much differently. Like I could I can mess around with with what I brought for food. I would I would probably bring um, <clears throat> some more stuff to mix in. Oh, I I did I put magnesium tablets into my my water too. Those were always a shocker when they when i choked down one of those by accident <laughs> um I'd, I'd probably bring like some more supplement stuff and, and try to learn a bit more about that um and uh yeah next time i do that i'm just gonna go way fucking faster and try to try to take the record from my my homies i mean it sounds like you've got a lot of goals in mind so i'm, I'm pretty excited to hear about your next one of these little down low uh, adventures benny is there anything you want to leave everyone with before we wrap it up um, I mean, probably, but I can't think of anything off the top of my head. <laughs> well, in, in that Enjoy case, this has been questions you never thought to ask. So like, what's kayak podcast? I'm Seth Ashworth and I've been speaking with Ben Ma. Uh, we will see you again another time. Peace.